Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Girl Club. And um, if it seems like my background is always changing, it's because they are, because Girl Club is uh, for spiritual chicks on the go. And I know that each and every one of us is always moving and doing, and and uh, sometimes the week is just so full of movement that you kind of can't even remember your own name. And that's kind of one of the things that Girl Club is about. We're real girls having real conversations about real issues and applying our very real faith to those issues and challenges to make life that much better, that much stronger, that much wiser in the way that we live it. So I am Cynthia Garrett and joining me this week, two of my favorite Girl Club members and regulars, Christina Boudreaux and Christina Reynolds. Hey, Christina, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. It's good to see you this week. Good to see you. And Christina Reynolds. Hi, CR. How you doing? Hey, good. <laughs> well, you guys who are regulars here know the ladies. Um, they're amazing teachers. Uh, Christina Reynolds is an amazing worship leader and singer, songwriter. Um, Christina Boudreaux is a part of the Whosoever's and has been the last couple of weeks, actually, on evangelical outreach. And um, as we dive in, I want to know how the girls are doing, and I want to get a catch-up on their week. But before we do that, I want to remind all of you to get your pen, get ready to take some notes. We're going to be going through what we've been on for the last few weeks, which is really dealing with the spirit of rejection. Rejection. Yeah, and dealing with that voice that, you know, and those voices in your head that tell you all of the reasons why you can't, why you aren't, and why you won't. We have been getting rid of the word but from our vocabulary forever and replacing it with what God says about all that we can do and uh, standing in therefore, not in but. You know, I'm great, but. Well, you've already negated your greatness. I'm great, therefore, means you've already established that you're going to walk into the vision of what God has called you to be, do, and say. So um, the last kind of things that we've gone over has been dealing with 10 fruits that are evidence of a spirit of rejection at work in your life. The first was when you find yourself comparing your circumstances or situations with others and you never seem to measure up, at least in your own mind. The second one is that you feel like you missed out on life's opportunities and now it's just too late. That's a lie that a lot of us get told as we get a little bit older, as our kids leave the house, right? Or as our clock hasn't lined up with what we think God's clock should be or should have been. The third one we've dealt with, that's an indicator that you're dealing with the spirit of rejection, is that no amount of encouragement is enough to encourage you of your worth. And a lot of you know that one. Uh, A lot of you've had friends and you just can't understand why you tell them how amazing they are and they tell you how horrible they are and how amazing they're not. And it just doesn't seem to sink in. The fourth one is when you feel rejected if you're not greeted or acknowledged by leadership. And that's an indicator of a lot of things, including pride and ego. Uh, The fifth one that we dealt with was constantly seeking approval of others or suffering from people-pleasing. That's a great indicator that there's some sort of demonically empowered spirit of rejection that's at work in your life. The sixth one we've dealt with is when you're easily offended or embarrassed from discipline or correction. And the seventh one had to do with always trying to prove yourself in public. Now, 
we're going to, we're going to look at, well, the last one that we dealt with last week was that you feel like you're on the outside looking in during interactions with people. And that opened up a lot in terms of actually the state of emotional uh, logic or reasoning that you live in when you're broken, which a lot of this is about confronting your brokenness. So um, before we dive kind of in right there, um, how was your week, Christina and Christina? (laughs) Okay, I'll go first because I don't have much to say. (laughs) It was good. In a way, for like two weeks on this trip, we want to know what you know. So yeah, Christina Reynolds, give me a download. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm sad that I wasn't here last week, but it was. um, We had a joint birthday party for my son and my daughter, and that was fun. I feel like honestly, it's hard to do weekly recaps because I feel like it's more like season long, month long, like what what is happening, you know? But I feel Mm -hmm. like this is a season right now for me specifically of just healing inside and physically, but like hugely inside. So I feel like everything that we're talking about right now is um, exactly what needs to be talked about. So I'm doing good, but I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. And you guys, uh, for all of you watching, you know, I was challenging you to be a noticer of some of these fruit, you know, these, these spiritual things that work in your life this week. So I'd love for you to just, you know, as the comments come in and you're kind of joining from all over the world, I'd love for you guys to like pop it, you know, write it down for us so I can address your comments this week as well. Hey, CB, how was Soever's tour? Good. We've had tours the last three weekends um, in this area. So um, with my church at Godspeed Calvary, I set up a tour for our team out here that we did for a full week from a Saturday to a Saturday. We had like skate parks every day from East LA all the way to like Oxnard. And we saw like gang kids come to the Lord, like just radical stuff. Like people are hungry right now. And we had like church events at night. And then the week before we had a tour that weekend and then I was planning the whole week. So it's just been like three heavy weeks, but this week was, um, this week was good. I think I just was more resting from just the grind of everything, you know, and, you know, in the process, you know, I had sold my horse. I got a new horse. She's so cute. You guys have to come see her. She's a halflinger. She looks like a pony, like every girl's dream pony, but she's the size. Yeah. She's the size of a pony, but she can carry like a grown man. Like she's so cute. Yeah. She's so cute. Yeah. You have to come see her, but Um, I think like last night, my, um, you know, like on Saturday was on Sunday was Father's Day, you know, so I'm coming off of like, two full weeks of tours. And then, you know, I like with my dad, you know, I felt just very thrown away by my dad last year, just really abandoned by my dad when they chose to bring, you know, my abuser back in our house. And really today, I haven't seen my dad in five months, you know, since the beginning of February. And so, and every conversation I have with him is always, when are you coming back to the house? When are you going to come visit? And I've met my mom halfway a couple of times for lunch with, in the last five months. But my dad to this day is still giving me a hard time and has failed to recognize how his actions and how his actions continually put my family in a very compromising place. And so on Sunday, I still went out, you know, it was like our we ended our tour Saturday. So on Sunday at church, 
I left service to go outside and call my dad just to wish him happy father's day. And uh, I said, you know, I would like to take you out to lunch, you know, this Saturday, this next Saturday or the Saturday after. And even that day, it was just such a sense where, I, you know, once again, my dad was just not recognizing why I didn't want to go see them that day. And when I talked to my dad yesterday and I just said, hey, let's schedule for next Saturday. It's July, you know, it's 4th of July weekend. I can meet you and mom at the India town and we can get food and stuff. And he, you know, even me willing to meet them halfway, he said, well, when are you going to come back to the house to visit? When are you going to come and, you know, whatever. And I just told him, you know, I'm going to meet you halfway for lunch. And that's all I'm going to do at this point. And really last night, like I was probably up till 3 a.m., you know, just just wrecked, you know, just crying, just really having to give that that part of my little girl heart that is still broken because my father has failed to recognize that I'm worth being protected. And he has constantly put me in compromising situations growing up. And it's just sad just with any daughter whose father hasn't protected them and who still isn't protecting them, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's so, I think appropriate for today, realizing that whether it's not so much that I feel maybe rejected by my father. It's, I think, yeah, I think it could be rejected by my father in the sense that he just hasn't protected me. And so whether that's a father who might've abused or maybe a father who has enabled an abuser to be in the home, a father who has put people in compromising situations. I just realized that the God, the father just last night, you know, I was listening to a song by called masterpiece by KB, you know, and him just talking about how, you know, just a perspective of a father and his daughter and how he cares so much about the wounds of his daughter and, and, and healing her, you know, and really being there. It's really God, the father for us. And so, it just was honestly really heavy night. I probably went to bed at 3 a.m. I literally woke up at 8.30 and I was like, you got girl club, you know? Yeah, it's it's just, you know, it's just the nature that I don't think my dad will ever fully understand. And a lot of us have dads who will never understand or validate our brokenness. And I don't really expect that from my dad, but I expect just a level of, res- of respect to just say, okay, you're not comfortable going back to our house right now because your abuser and a rapist is living with us who is living a homosexual lifestyle. We respect that. And we'll just meet you halfway for lunch. No, he's rubbing it back in my face and constantly reminding me that I'm being selfish and unforgiving and that I need to let it go. But it's not about that. It's about, I have a right to protect myself. Even when I told him I was going back to counseling because my night terrors were bad. It's he's still, is clueless, you know? And so it's just very heartbreaking and it's, um, it's very sad. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, Christina, what you're saying, because I I mean, what you live through having a father who can't recognize your abuse all the way to the point of allowing your abuser to come back in the house is like such the perfect storm for feeling rejected. And for, oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I'm here, here listening to you going, man, I mean, pay attention, all of you, because Christina is such an example of not getting completely destroyed by 
this spirit? Because I can only imagine. I mean, I've watched you struggle through feeling, you know, not good enough, feeling, you know, what can I do to earn my parents' approval enough that they'll see me in my pain and not my yeah. abuser? Oh, yeah. You know? So yeah. how how have you, I mean, how are you really dealing with not feeling totally rejected and overlooked by the person closest to you right now, your dad, and on Father's Day? Yeah, you know, I think it was, um, you know, just to be honest with you, it was a very long night of really having to just kind of, you know, when the Bible talks about rending your heart before the Lord, like I had to do that, you know, I had to go to the word, I had to um just the song that I that came to mind last night, you know, was, you know, this is how I fight my battles and really realizing that, you know, the Lord just gave me an image of me as a daughter and just him doing circles around me as the line of Judah and me and and just really warring off like all of these these predators, you know, and, and these these things coming against me. Cause really when a daughter isn't protected by her father. And to this day, I'm still not protected by my father. It leaves you feeling like, Oh, like, well, am I worth being protected? You know, and all of the, all of those thoughts could come in, but I had to be really brutally honest with the Lord and just say, Lord, this hurts. Like, this is painful. Like my heart, like I'm going to be going to church tonight. Cause I'm like, I need, I need a dose of Jesus at church. You know, like I need the word. And just there's such a sense of dependency that um, I honestly just spent a lot of time journaling. I spent a lot of time in the word. I spent a lot of time in worship last night, just crying, you know, like honestly, like weeping to the fact that, that my father might not ever understand. And on my wedding day, I can't really say that I would ask my dad to walk me down the aisle. Mm -hmm. I won't because you haven't, you've dropped the ball. And so I've come to a point where I talked to my, one of my friends, Eden, I went to India with her last year and we pray every week together. And last night, or, you know, sorry, not last night, yesterday we prayed and I just was voice texting her back and forth and we pray through family stuff. And I just told her, I'm like, dude, I don't like, I've come to a point in my life where I live my life by a set of almost like a code and a creed of where I respect who I am in Christ and what God has done in my life. And when people don't respect my boundaries and when people don't respect my no, because some, mm -hmm. and people don't respect, you know, like, Hey, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I can't, you, the thing is, is that in life, you cannot control how other people treat you. You can't control how your dad treats you, your mom, you know, you know, people not respecting your boundaries, you're going to get crazy people in ministry that demand time. Like you can't, you know, codependent, controlling, manipulative people. And that's really what my dad is doing is trying to push the goalpost and manipulate me. I can't, that's outside of my control, but what's inside of my control is saying, no, this is what I'm going to do and setting right. that boundary. Whether they respect mm -hmm. that boundary or not is up to them, but that boundary is set because I respect myself. And, and honestly, a five minute conversation last night with my dad left me in shambles. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth it? You know? Yeah. And so honestly, yeah. like there's no formula on how to deal with this. Cause I'm still dealing, but today my game plan is to be in the word. I have a lot of, I have like 
a huge photo shoot. I have to go through with photos for my portfolio to submit, you know, and today I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put that on the shelf and I'm just going to get in the word and I'm going to tend to my heart and talk to talk to a couple of my friends and just, you know, process stuff. But you but just got to work through it. But this you is, work you know, yeah. I mean, but it, work through it, you know, but, and th- but this is the formula, you know, when yeah. you feel like, you know, look, when you're going through something like this, it's tapping into all of the places in your deepest heart where you can feel rejected, where you feel overlooked, where you feel betrayed, dropped, abandoned, abused, right? Oh, yeah. So the, but the formula really is, and, and, and you said it, you know, this is how I fight my battles. I take yeah. my heart to the Lord. I rend my heart before the Lord. You pour yourself out. You cry to him. You talk to him. You, you, you actually stand in your faith, you know? And honestly, I think in the moments where you feel your faith is the most tested, those are the moments where if you go to the Lord, where your faith is actually, it's the strongest because God knows, God knows, you know, when I go to the Lord and I say, you know, I don't understand this and I can't do it and I'm hurting right now and I need you, daddy. Like I need you. I, I can't, can't do this. I can't handle the emotions of this. I, I don't, I, I feel like a loser. I feel, I don't feel like a victor. When even that dialogue with God, I have learned, you know, even saying to him, I don't feel like I have faith right now. Where are you for me? You know, God, I feel rejected by you. When I can say that to him, I have come to realize I have great faith because because I'm not going and talking to a nobody and a nothing. You know, that even that small act, I see that as the mustard seed. That's that mustard seed of faith where you're so broken down that you just don't, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm said I'm broken down. I'm at my lowest common denominator. I got nothing. You know, I got nothing that I can use in this moment to prop myself up. And having that conversation with God is, I mean, I don't know. I used to think it was a mustard seed of faith, but that may be a mountain because you got to believe that God exists to go to him. Right. And to be that uh, brutally honest, you know, I feel like, I feel like that shows like, I mean, getting to that point where you feel like you can just where were you? I feel abandoned. Like that, that actually shows a sense of um, intimacy. You know, you don't say that to people that you don't know. So I totally agree with you, Cynthia, like being brutally honest with the Lord when you're at your lowest is I think the greatest sign and evidence of your faith being walked out, you know, completely because, you know, it's like, and for everybody watching, like, please, like, don't ever think that walking out your faith is a pretty neat Christmas gift with a bow on it. It's not. This is what it looks like. I mean, even the song, this is how I fight my battles. I mean, I love that you brought that up CB because that song is so powerful to me because me it's, I put it on sometimes when I'm in a fight, I just put that on when I don't have, I, I can't go anywhere else. I put it on and it's almost like a war cry. Like, okay, this is how I fight my battles. This, just this little thing right now of putting on this worship music and sitting here and I'm going to let this pain just, okay, fine. It's here. 
but this right now is going to fight for me. And it's, mm. it's, it's that act of faith. It's that act of worship. Mm. It's, you know, it's, I can't do anything, but I'm going to hold on to his right. hand. I'm going to talk to you about it, God. I'm going to bring it to you, you know, and, yeah. and rejection is so powerful because the things that make you feel like you're being rejected to me, the bottom line is the rejection you feel, it feels like you're being rejected by God. That's really it. Mm. Like at the end of the day, for those of us with faith who are daughters, it's like, okay, fine. The whole world might reject us and all of that. But ultimately it translates to God, where are you? Are you yeah. rejecting me? Yeah. You know, and, and, and the fight back to that is the God, are you rejecting me? No, words this, I'm here. Can you make yourself real to me? Can you, can you just show me something? And I mean, that is, that's just a monumental move of faith toward the Lord, right. you know? And he doesn't, he doesn't disappoint right there. Yeah. I mean, he's never, he's never left me sitting in that place without some evidence from him that he is real and I'm his. Right. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, it last, last week, the two of you weren't here and we sort of um, ended at, you know, that place where you feel like you're on the outside looking in during interactions with people is kind of a sign uh, that you're dealing with a spirit of rejection. And um, I'd love to, I'd love to know if either one of you has anything to share just on that eighth, that eighth kind of uh, indicator. Hmm. I've got to think about that. I, I feel yeah. like it's like showing my, I feel like it's showing my age. Cause I've, I feel like that was like my life up until, you know, like, like a handful of years ago yeah. of just not feeling accepted and always trying to do something to either be accepted or to hide away. Cause you're not, or to, yeah. or what recently I found out, I just had another inner healing session, had no clue that I was going to go here, but, um, I, th- I think that what you just put up on the screen just now, it's interesting to me to see like different reactions of like, yeah. okay, well then I'm nothing. So then I'm going to self go into self-hatred mode or to like, oh, well then screw then I'm better than them. I'm going to go into yeah. like, you know, puff myself yeah. up and be independent. And, um, and then I just realized that recently that I turned to rage and anger to actually, um, to fight for me. It's so interesting that we're talking about how do we fight our battles? And I recently, not too long ago, went through like a three hour long inner healing session, like letting go of my, um, of my own little superhero power of rage. And it's crazy how I've, I've been having to learn how to walk in the opposite of that. Because once you let go of something that like you've done your entire life, you have to like relearn a new way. And I've been learning, I've been relearning how to, um, feel protected by the Lord. Um, like, and I've had actually, interestingly enough, very interesting circumstances where I was in so much fear, you guys, and fear of men, like in a supermarket or like, you know, in public where I was like being followed or it was so crazy. These different circumstances where normally I would project anger, rage, and I would just go to that place of self-protection. But I, it's just so crazy that when you give up this, like when you say, no, I'm not going to feel rejected anymore. I'm going to let the Lord take that. Let's say um, for, in terms of like 
a spirit of rejection. It's crazy to me that you have to re you have to relearn how to live yeah. apart from that yeah. thing that like yeah. almost, cause even, even that where you're saying like feeling like you're on the outside, like are these little like woundings of ours or this, these spirits that we like link ourselves to, they become crutches and they become, um, like we get used to them. Does that make sense? Like when you're yeah. an addict, like you become used to it and yeah. though it's killing you, yeah. it's like when you let go and you're and you're like, ah, oh, I can have a real life now. You have to like learn how to have a life now. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. I feel like, like I'm a hot makes, mess, but <laughs> no, it makes all, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> complete textbook makes total sense because the reality is each of us has lived a long time with our dysfunction. Each of us has lived a long time, you know, with our uh, habits. A lot of us live a long time with certain sins, right? So those things are comfortable. Those right. responses and reactions, even if they're wrong, even if they're self-destructive, they're comfortable. And I think yeah. for me, this particular indicator of feeling like you're on the outside looking in during your interactions with other people, this is a really big deal because to me, this is an indicator of a real depth of brokenness because mm-hmm. I know I went through this where I would literally feel like I was watching myself put on the act with other people to protect myself, to mm-hmm. make myself more valuable, to make myself seem more important or like you should like me more because I'm this or I'm that. And now I never... Now I don't see myself on the outside of my interactions with other people. I'm just in my interaction with them. And then what I see is my behavior or I become a noticer of my emotions or feelings and responses and deal with them with the Lord. So, you know, this one's just, and and it's hard right now, you know, to dive into inner healing um, and a conversation about what that is. But I think for those of you who've been watching through the weeks And really, as we've unpacked and been unpacking this topic, if you're noticing any of this stuff, it may be a big indicator that you need to really confront it and get some inner healing. And, um, you know, you can can talk to your, you know, your hopefully church leaders or, you know, grab some really great books by great teachers on inner healing and, you know, or write in an email and we'll suggest stuff to you. You know, I know Christina and Christina and myself, Nova, will suggest stuff to you to read, to help you deal with this stuff. But the biggest thing you need to know is that you're never rejected by God, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what your brokenness or no matter what other people may have put on you or make you feel like, no matter what devices or tools or crutches you're leaning on to feel like you're accepted and like you're in, you know, with people or you're in with whatever situation you want to be in with, you know, just understand that when you're seeking to be in with man, you may be out with God. So you want right. to get right. Like you don't want to be out with God. You want to be in with God. And, and I, I just think we got to get a lot more comfortable with the fact that being in with God mean that we're out with men a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Oh my you know? gosh. That's that, so true. Right. Like that goes to the one about people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. We're not here to serve man. We're here to serve the Lord yeah. and to love each other. Yeah. You know, and every yeah. day, what does love look like? Love looks yeah. like truth and truth is offensive in the world mm-hmm. that we live in today. Yeah.
Yeah. You know, I think when we start living from that place of like, I'm just at a point in my life, I was talking to my friend Eden yesterday, you know, I went to India with, and I just said, dude, I've come to a point in my life where I don't live my life trying to please people anymore. I think when everything happened with my family last year, that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me, where I was just like, I don't care. Like, I don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe anyone. And when you finally come to a place where your identity is so rooted and grounded in the Lord. It's like you live from a place where you don't owe anyone people when a spirit of manipulation can try to come in or when, you know, or other people's, you know, codependency or controlling nature or whatever, like you have to realize, you know, for me, it's like that takes place within my dad, right. Trying to manipulate and trying to like come back in to move the goalpost to see like, well, how far can I push her boundaries? How far can I make her feel guilty for not giving me her time and for not coming back to the house where her abuser lives? When you finally live in a place where you know your identity in the Lord, where the thought, cause a lot of, a lot of us, if you were to think of our house as like our life as a house, a lot of our foundation of our life, like of our heart is so broken and shattered that we try to build a house on a broken foundation and it constantly crumbles over and over again. And no wonder why, our identity is completely broken and our value is broken because the foundation of our life is. And so when you allow God to come in and completely repave the foundation of your life on his love and his identity and his everything, your life will be a strong tower. So when people try to come in and manipulate and control and whatever, or make you feel less than um, like my dad, yeah, I guess it hurts, but I'm, I'm not moved by it. I'm not going to move the goalposts. And so those are practical things where even on the other side of this season of healing for me, I don't tolerate nonsense from people anymore, especially the last, you know, two, three weeks of our whosoever's event, you know, especially if you're called into ministry, if you're not whole on the inside, I'm not saying completely whole because we're all a work in progress. But like, if you're, if you don't really allow God to go to those deep places you will be tossed to and fro by people Mm -hmm. who need something from you in ministry. You will constantly feel like you owe everyone your time and an explanation and you will be tossed around like a rag doll by people. Like I had to set some strong boundaries the last three weeks where I was just like, no, sorry. People are like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, yeah. And you don't owe people an explanation, you know, like, Great. and so, you know, cause it is like, and I think that's the Lord, like, and just being unapologetic about where you stand, you know, and people will respect you more by the boundaries you set. Like I had someone come up to me like last Sunday at church who out of all of our friends' stories, mine was the only one that made Ryan's book, like my full stories in Ryan Reese's new book. You know, it's a story, you know, me forgiving my abuser and struggling with my sexuality and God really like restoring that and all that stuff. Right. And I had a guy, like an older guy come into church and how many of us know that there's wolves and sheep's clothing, even in church and a random person on a Sunday, you know, I was talking to my friend, literally came up to me, put his hand around my waist, this older, older guy and whispered in my ear. Uh, I read your story in Ryan's book and I just pushed him away. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, who is this dude, dude, dude? You know what I'm saying? And so even when you are in ministry, 
you share vulnerable parts of your life. Right. And people could exploit that vulnerability. And if you're not in a good place yeah. with yourself and the Lord, you will allow people to exploit that vulnerability. Yeah. A lot of women put themselves in compromising situations because they freeze up and they don't set boundaries, you know, even people in general. And so for me, like, I don't, like, I guard, I guard myself. And I felt very, like, after pouring myself out and sharing, like, so much of my life for two weeks, I felt almost like, oh, like, but I don't owe anyone that, you know, like, right. you don't, it's just, it, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it's no, very, you are. It's- yeah, it's just, um, I don't well, know. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, people who are really struggling with a spirit of rejection that works yeah. in all these ways in their life do not set healthy boundaries right. because they are afraid that if they set a boundary, they will then be rejected. They yes. will then not be invited to the party. They won't be invited back on tour. Well, he or she won't want their book or he or she won't like me, you know, or ask me to participate the next time. And the reality is that healthy people accept other people trying to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, Christina, it's like, in a way, I've come to the place where I've learned and, and and I pray this for each and every one of you watching, where you learn that you're so valuable and you're so worthy that you only want valuable, worthy people in your life. And those people will recognize your attempt to take care of yourself, honor yourself, and do what God is calling you to do, not manipulate you to do what God is calling them to do or God wants them to do. I've been in situations before where people have tried to manipulate me to do what they feel God is calling them to do, and they want me to do what they want me to do. And, you know, and I've been uninvited, you know, and, and, and when you're in a community of believers, you know, it, that really gets crazy because you just assume that, well, I mean, I should say yes. And I want, and, and this person is telling me that I'm not, you know, I'm not hearing from the Lord because I'm not doing it their way or something, you know, yeah. I'm getting triggered left and right. I'm like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't yeah. call victim to this stuff. You guys don't be spiritually manipulated at all. Don't let people bring you a problem that is their problem and project it onto you, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, when you're healthy inside, you're able to go, "Mm, no, thank you for that advice. But Mm -hmm. that advice is maybe attached to an issue you're dealing with. I'm not dealing with that, but I'll Mm -hmm. take that under advisement and I'll go pray about it, you know? And then, whatever, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And it's funny because this, this sort of segues us into the ninth point, you know, the ninth indicator that there may be a spirit of rejection at work in your life. And you guys, this spirit, it just, it works itself in a lot of ways. It might work itself through a mocking enemy, you know, where you feel constantly mocked in your ear. It it may be working itself out by making you feel less than or shame Mm -hmm. or like a victim or so these things, this is a, this is rooted in a lot of stuff. So don't just hear, well, I don't feel a spirit of rejection and stop there. Think about everything we're talking about because this thing plays itself out in a lot of ways. Now, the ninth one is, is when you think you could do a better job than the current leader or teacher, if given the opportunity that, you know, I've learned 
okay, so wisdom is a part of our walk, right? And wisdom comes with time as we journey with the Lord. I remember when I was younger, I used to think I could run stuff better than everybody. And nine times out of 10, I probably could have. But nine times out of 10, I didn't understand what all it took to be running the thing that I thought I could run better than the person running it or teach it better than the person teaching it. And so really confronting myself and these issues and growing in the Lord has given me the patience to actually look at a situation and say, well, I could do that better. Because in reality, I don't know that I could do that better. Not really a lot of the times. I just know that I can do what I can do. Whether that's better or not, I can't be the judge. Someone else be the judge of that and judge that for themselves. And so I think for all of us, we just want to be always mindful to not look at other people or leaders and what have you and go, I can do that better than them. But to look at, maybe to learn from them, just learn. And then wherever God places you to do what you do, you take all those lessons and you do a better job with what you need to do. So this was kind of an interesting one to me. I mean, right? Like this was kind of an interesting one. Like, hmm, spirit of rejection plays itself out in, or is an, is indicated by thinking you could do something better than the teacher. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You know, it almost seems like just like the flip of the coin, you know, like I was saying er earlier, like a certain type of like brokenness will manifest differently in different people or maybe just at different times, you know? So instead of going, Oh, I could never do that. Or I'm just going to shy away. It's like, well, I'm going to puff myself up and be better. And in my own strength, judge now everyone who is rejecting me basically. Right. You know, because I've, I've certainly right. been guilty of that many a times, especially when I was younger, thinking, oh, I could do so much better. But you know what's crazy is once you actually live a few more years and you get some more opportunities and you fail miserably, there's this beautiful thing called um, sympathy or empathy or compassion, or you're just like, oh, I did it worse than you actually. And it's, right. it, it really is like, like it makes this whole, this whole phrase, like it is just a huge manifestation of pride. And, and I have felt humbled. I've been humbled by God many times when I have said those exact same words and so it's, it doesn't feel good, yeah. but it's very good for you yeah. to be humbled. Yeah. That's so oh, yeah. good. So good, Christina. You're right. And, and cause some of this stuff, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the converse, I guess of the thing, right? Like you're saying I could do it better, but really you're dealing with pride but what is pride really? Pride usually comes mm-hmm. from feeling rejected or overlooked. And then you puff yourself up, right. you know, with false vanity, you know, oftentimes and a need to prove to people and to, yeah. to, to please them and show them and, and all of that. Like when I'm not worried about a spirit of rejection, I really don't care to do it better than the person doing it. Okay. Totally. Pray for yeah. them. Pray for you. Yeah. 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 I don't have anything to prove. Right. Oh, it goes back to the other one about proving the same thing. Anyways, go ahead. It's true. Oh yeah. You know, I think when I was, I'm 31 now, but when I was 21, I could definitely say that, you know, at the age of 21, I knew I was called. I knew that God had anointing on my life, that my character hadn't matched 
mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that it's almost like, like you could be anointed and called. And there's a lot of young people that are anointed and called, but if you haven't truly been broken before the Lord, and if you don't have the character and the integrity to match it, God can't, God can't elevate you. God can't use right. you. And I wonder, and, and there is times in my life where God has constantly brought me back to ground zero in so many areas to remind me like even last night just like being like okay girlfriend you had two great weeks of ministry but i'm gonna humble you to remind you how much you need me right right come on that you cannot do it in your own strength and so i remember at 21 i was very prideful i knew i was anointed i had people that would always tell me how gifted or whatever i was and i constantly was looking to platforms. I was constantly looking to ministry opportunities. I was constantly, my pride, like every part of it, like saw like every part of like who I was, was so wrapped up in like what I did. And I know, and now 10 years later, and I kind of, and I dealt with that. I would look at people and be like, oh, I could do better than them. I could teach better than them. I could read better than them. But now at the age of 31, like half the time I'm so just like, I'm so chill. Like I think people, when they see us in ministry settings and on tour, we're very like full force. And then when I'm not in ministry settings on a normal day, I'm just very chill. And people are like, Oh, do you want to do this? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like you could do that. You know, like, do you want help with this? I'm like, no, no, no. Like you could do that because I'm not striving for those things or looking for those things. Cause I'm at a point where I'm not even looking for that. I just seek the Lord. And when God brings opportunity, I'm like, okay, Lord, like, is this of you? Like, I'll take this speaking engagement if it's of you. And if not, I'm good, but I don't need that to fuel my identity. And even now at the age of 31, like I serve with our junior high, high school and young adults at our church. And I have for, this is just a practical example of even now, right? Um, a really good friend of mine, Elijah, is our youth pastor at our church. And our church has quadrupled within the last year because of COVID. And our youth group has quadrupled for both junior high and high school. And my friend Elijah was running our junior high by himself and our high school by himself. And I, when I stepped in, I didn't step in to be like, oh, I'm going to change it. I just was like, Elijah, how can I help you? What is it that you need? How can I be a support to you? I didn't go in to try to tear it up and be like this and that. So everything that I do for him and Elijah is 24, you know, I'm like almost a decade older than him, but with him now I'm at a place where like, yeah, I could go on tour with the whosoever's and, you know, do what we do. But every week I sit with Elijah, I'm not even admin dude. And I stay and I'm on my computer and I'm like taking notes and I'm like, okay, what do we need to do? You know, how can I help you? Right. And it's like, and same thing with our young adults, um, yeah. pastor James, him and his wife, Kelly. I'm like, what do you guys need this week? Cool. I show up at five every week. I set up chairs. We set up the food I greet people like, and I think when you're at a place where you are not dealing with the spirit of rejection, you won't try to look to you won't try to prove anything or true prove that you're better than anyone else because you'll become uh you will have the posture of a servant the way that Christ mm-hmm. did cuz Jesus didn't come in trying to prove anything dude like right. he came just to love and i think that like from where i was at the 21 to where i am at 31 like a huge transformation but yes. i'm still walking out every day you know right. so yeah girl <laughs> I feel like you're just dropping like like bombs yeah. everywhere because I'm like this is I, I feel like 
there should be a book written about when you're 18 and then when you're like all the way to the end of just that progression of emotional maturity. Cause everything that you're saying, I'm like, that's exactly how I was so dumb at 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still working through being dumb now. (laughs) Right. I'm sitting here laughing because I'm like, okay, I'm 20 years older than you ish plus whatever. And (laughs) I mean, I totally, yeah. I mean, you know, I was totally different in my twenties. I was completely emotionally, spiritually and spiritually immature in my twenties and thirties. And then, you know, then you get to this point in your thirties and forties where you, 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 now I have seen people in their twenties who want to go hard after it. I'm just saying for me, I was a late one, you know, and, and it's like, I wanted to go hard after the Lord, but then I realized I had to go hard after my issues before the Lord. And that was a whole other journey. And it's like, yeah, like Christina, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like now it's, it's now I'm happy. What do you need? Like, like, I know, you know, it's like where you get to that place where you, you're not seeking the approval of others. You're not walking in a spirit of rejection. You, you, you don't have any pride in whether you're first or last because you know who you are. You know what your name is. You know what you, you are before the Lord. And so then whether you're in the front of the bus or the back of the bus, you're still, you're still having fun rolling on the bus. You're doing you, you're being you, you're confident in you. And that is just an incredible place to be. And it, and the spiritual maturity that we and, and teachers and programs like this that you all watch and choose to fellowship in and learn from and study along with the challenge is all the same in terms of what the Lord wants. The Lord wants you to become spiritually mature and so spiritually confident in your relationship with him and your knowledge of who you are in your identity in Christ that you just don't need anything outside of you and him inside. And, and man, that is a blessed place of freedom to reach. And when you reach it, you'll have those moments of really feeling, wow, I'm okay. I'm satisfied and self-sufficient in my relationship with the Lord and in all things. And so, yeah, Christina, you're right. Like I just, I mean, when I was in my twenties, it was all about my efforts and all about every opportunity I was seeking. Every meeting I had to network, I had to do, I had to go, I had to be there because so-and-so might be there and they would understand me or could help me or I had to do this conference or do or go do this TV show or blah, blah, blah. Now I'm just like, I mean, I turned down a, a big booking last night on Fox News because I was like, nah, you know what? I got to pick my husband up at the airport. Love you guys. But, you know, they called it a couple hours before. I don't have any pride about them calling last minute. So now I have such a comfort zone with Fox News. They'll, you know, they'll be like, could we make you our, could we make you our backup, you know, our backup guest um, for today's show? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm not busy. It's cool. It's all good. And it's funny because I know even in it that 20 or 30 year old Cynthia would have been like, you need to call my agents in like two days before. Like they, they're calling me the day of to be a backup guest or something. And it's like pride, man, pride, 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 pride. And because I I just don't, I laugh now because I'm like, I don't even feel any of that stuff anymore. God, that's so you. And I'm so fine and so blessed, you know, and I'm so happy that they feel that they can do that 
you know, because they know like, man, Cynthia's cool. Like she's okay with that. But if I can't, I can also say no. Because old Cynthia from my 20s would have never said no. My husband would have had to wait at that airport for an extra time. You better get a taxi, go to a hotel. I got to be on TV. Like, it's just like, I don't feel like if I have to say no to an opportunity, the opportunity is going to close on my life anymore. You know, I don't feel like I'm going to be rejected or something. I feel like I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to let my yes mean yes and my no mean no. And and God's going to God's in control of the opportunities anyway. And I feel like what's real cannot be threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, Christine, like what's real can't be threatened. Like, yeah. you know, I know for those of you who really watched Girl Club um, since we started during the pandemic, you guys have also met and seen um, Hannah Fritch, who's in her 20s, and Kennedy uh, early on, also Diana Fuentes. Um, and they're all sort of the 20-something through, right? And um, they're young. They're, they're going through life things. They're, they're, they're having babies and, you know, getting married and, you know, can't, can't get, can't make it, can't do this season, can't do that. And it's so funny because part of me, you know, I enjoy their 20-year-old spiritual journey because I'm like, yeah, there's a little bit of an inability, I think, to actually see the calling you know, but one of the greatest things that I think God will give to you and has given you, Christina and Christina, and will give or has given all of you watching is the ability to see greatness in others and mm-hmm. to know that you are not diminished because others are great. And mm-hmm. for me, a great source of joy is helping to launch those great ships on the ocean and watch them sail. And I just giggle when I see the ones that won't get out of the port, you know, mm-hmm. cause you, you, a lot of leaders would get angry or upset. I don't, I think it's sweet. And I'm like, Oh Lord. Oh Lord. When that ship sails, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and I know that that's the Lord and that it may, it gives me a great joy. Like, you know, to see what God is doing through you guys. I think it's amazing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in your 30 year old journey, you're to see your maturity, you know, and, and Nova, you know, in her 40 year old journey, that, that it's funny because that's really what I see girl club as you guys, we are all on a journey with the Lord. And for me, it's all about learning from your big sisters. You know, mm-hmm. it's all about learning from somebody who's going through it or somebody yeah. who went through it and then pushing yeah. forward. So you don't have to make the same mistakes and you can get through it faster. Right. Right. You know? And this is actually true sisterhood. And I think this is true, like woman mm-hmm. empowerment, you know, not this like, oh, okay, right. let's celebrate each other, but really we're just hating on each other and jealous yeah. of each other. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, I love what you said, Cynthia, about like, like getting to that place of being so secure in who you are in the Lord Mm. that like seeing another woman's glory does not diminish your own. Rather you're like, Oh, we're part of the same family shine girl. Keep shining. You know what I'm saying? And like that, that takes time. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't happen overnight. It does take a decade or two decades or three decades of like really putting in the work with what um, Christina was saying of like building that solid foundation with the Lord it's yeah. so true. Oh my gosh. Cause there could be 50 year olds who have decades, literal years on them, 
but yeah. cannot appreciate someone else because they haven't built that foundation. They haven't, they haven't taken yeah. the time and, you know, and had the courage to face their demons, you know, with, right. through inner healing. I mean, cause that's you guys, that's work too. It's scary to like, yeah. let go of like, I think like everyone watching would initially think, ah, oh, I don't want a spirit of rejection anymore. I want to be done with it, you know? But I think when it really comes down to the line of what we talked about, just being comfortable um, with just a way of life, with a way of like perceiving the world, a way of like perceiving yourself. I mean, when it comes to the point of actually letting go and saying, God, take it away. Like, it's not always easy. I've had some serious like healing sessions where I had to go, God, give me strength to let this go. Even though it's been tormenting me for 30 years. I still need strength. Like it's, it's work guys, but yeah. the, the result is beautiful. Cause then we can sit down together mm-hmm. and like celebrate each other and support one another, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's just beautiful. It's powerful. It really yeah. is powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at a point, like even in my life where I'm just like, I was even praying last night and that's something I've talked with, like, you know, our like youth team at church. I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to work myself out of a job. I'm like pulling young adult leaders to raise them up. My young adult girls to raise them up for high school. I'm pulling my high school girls to raise them up for junior high. And it's like, I'm trying to see that generation rise up and disciple them. And I'm just like, yes, baby girl, you go. Because I think when you've, when you've battled so much, you realize, I think even in, when it comes to ministry and even in the church, there's such a spirit of competitiveness. Not even the church. It is. It runs oh, yeah, everywhere. The church. Yeah. 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 It's everywhere. And it's like, yeah. I'm at a point where it's like, dude, I've been there and bought the t-shirt so many times that it's like, I'm trying to work myself out of the job. Like, I feel like I've ran a specific part of my race that it's time for me to raise up people to run that leg of the race. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying, I'm in a season where I'm trying to pass the baton because it's exhausting trying to do all of it, you know? And, right. and if I'm not passing the baton, I think some people, they hold on too tightly because they like the glory and the recognition or whatever. And even at my church, I'm known as the main girls leader for junior high school and young adults. And I'm like, no dude, I don't want to be known as that. I want to be known as a person that's raising other people up to do that. And now I look at our junior high group and I have four girls right now that are currently being raised up from our young adults and high school group to be leaders for junior high. And I look at our high school group and there's a couple that I'm raising up to be leaders for high school. So when I'm out of town on tour or whatever, like they're covered. I don't want to be known as that because if I were to hold on so tightly to that, like if I would have been 21, I would have wanted to hold tightly onto that because I wanted, I would have wanted to have the glory of, Oh, like she's the one doing everything and da 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 da. But it's like, no dude, I'm trying to work myself out of a job. Like I'm at a point where I'm just trying to like be a director and just be like, cool, dude, it's, it's stage left. You're on. And I'm trying to like, see them do their thing, you know? Right. Well, it's, it's unfortunately, you know, pride and the spirit of rejection that's on people in general. Right. So like it's there and it's deep. And just because you ascend the ladder of leadership, right. Even in ministry, even in politics, uh, whatever it is, you know, at at your Mm -hmm. law firm, at your company, at your business, it doesn't mean that you're still not that same little broken child in your heart dealing with the spirit of rejection. And so, you know, it's like, there you are now, 
trying to, and, and, and this is a great conversation about this because there you are and that spirit will make you, make you not want to raise up leaders because you will feel like you're raising up competitors and you don't want to work yourself out of a job. You want to be the only one because you really are afraid of who you are without being the main person. Who am I if I'm not the only one who can do it, who can run it, who can say it, who can teach it, who can speak it, you know? And it's like, well, I'll tell you who you are, Jesus, because he said that the student should become greater than the master. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if we're really invested in living like Christ, we should yeah. be invested in raising up leaders. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And helping others. Now, I'm not saying to like get caught in a spirit of like self deprecation where you like let people walk all over you. That's not no. what I'm saying. What I'm no. saying is that, you know, you should be so confident in who you are in Christ that you know, like, okay, I know I'm real. I can't be shaken. Go girl, go yeah. guy, you know, do it, do it, do it. And yeah. you're, and you're, you're, you're right. You know, it's like, I do believe, unfortunately, part of this whole thing, these 10 indicators we've been talking about play into a lot of pulpits and leadership, uh, you know, people in authority where they just cannot recognize the greatness in other people, much less encourage it. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, you know, yeah. that's, that's not, role modeling Christ for the church. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think you guys, as we kind of wrap up today, the 10th and final indicator that you may be dealing with this spirit of rejection at work in your life, causing all kinds of havoc is one, I'm going to mention it. And then I think we're going to really save it for next week to really unpack it more because it's really powerful. And to me, This one is huge. And the 10th one is that you just believe that nobody understands you. Nobody gets what you're going through and you're just alone in your struggle. Mm. That is such a big lie that the enemy uses because if you, when you are alone in feeling rejected and abandoned, and now you feel misunderstood, like nobody gets it. Nobody gets you. Nobody gets what you're going through. Nobody, nobody gets the identity struggle that you're having. Like you literally get invested in this. Nobody gets who I really am. The enemy has taken that lie and caused people to do all kinds of things. Hmm. Look at the world around you. Look at the world around you. When people feel misunderstood, look what they're doing as a response to that. What are you doing as a response to that? Do you feel that? Because this forum right here, Girl Club, is about completely shattering the the, the lie, you know, that that statement is about. Because there are people all over the world going through the same thing you're going through. There are people all over the world who've shared and experienced what this feels like. They understand the pain. They know what identity struggle is. They know what it's like to feel fatherless, motherless, homeless, fear, Mm -hmm. fearful, you know, shame. They know what it's like to feel like victims. And what I want to do with, with this is to remind you today that I know that none of us chooses to be a victim. It's just that there are seasons in our life we don't know how to choose victory. 
well, what we're doing is equipping you so that you can make the choice for victory right now today, because the choice is only yours to make. I can't make it for you. Christina can't make it for you. And Christina can't make it for you. So yeah, real quickly, um, how have you guys dealt with feeling like nobody gets it? Nobody understands you. Well, I think like, oh, sorry. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to like recap. Like even with, for example, what I walked through last year and what I'm walking through now with my parents inviting my abuser back in the home. The truth is, like, I remember even what I went through in Montana, you know, with the loss of just everything. And even what happened last year and, and moving to Thousand Oaks where I was just like, dude, this isn't the hood. This is not what I'm used to, you know? Like, I just felt like the Lord one day was like, Christina, like, unless someone's walked through what you've walked through, they're never going to get it. So stop trying to make people understand. Mm-hmm. Like, unless someone's like, I think that's what's so beautiful about suffering is that when people, when you suffer in the same way people do, there's a level of connection that you have with others, which is why the gospel is so powerful because Christ on the cross suffered in every way that we are suffering now, but he did it on the cross so that we could have healing, you know, and so we could have victory. And so really the only one that can sympathize with anything I'm going through is Christ. Cause it says, you know, that we have a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses. And so really even now with what I'm going through, I'm not going to people so they can understand or get it. I'm just like, Hey, I know you don't get it, but you can pray for me, you know? And so, but I go to the one who does understand, which is Christ. And so right. you could fight your whole life trying to get people to understand and they never will. Yeah. Now that's actually, that's deep, Christina, because you're, so you're going to the other side of it too, which is, you know, how the enemy will use that feeling of being rejected and misunderstood when people legitimately don't understand, you know, and the, and the, and the flip side of it is that you legitimately become prideful and Mm -hmm. mean, you know, or depressed and suicidal because you feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody's going to get it. No, and nobody gets it. And so you can see how this one, it's huge because it plays itself out in two opposite ways to achieve the same result, your destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. So like uh, at the same time, like I love what you're saying. Like I think that's like the first and foremost, you that you're, what you're saying is absolutely right. Like you go to the one who can sympathize with you. Not only can, but he fully, he understands you more than you even understand yourself. You know, so that's like a no brainer. Something that I have found like like with that 10th one is that I have the temptation to isolate and not Mm -hmm. tell anyone anything and literally lock it up. And I have found that if I would just be vulnerable with the right, not to everybody, like you don't go sharing your junk with everybody, but like, like if you would be brave to open up and share, I think, I think you'd be surprised with how many, how many people can understand to a degree or relate oh, for sure. because maybe they won't get like the exact, like, okay, that never happened to me, but I feel that same thought or like, I, I hear those mm. thoughts. I feel that same way. I feel that time. same rejection. So like there is a place to be brave and not hide away and then allow the devil to literally go crazy in your mind crazy. as well. Cause 
I have found oftentimes, like if I would just, oh, maybe not share everything, but just share like the basics, right? like 10 out of 10 times people get it because at the core of human suffering, like, 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 let's say not the exact, the way that it plays out, but at the core of it, it's like everyone freaking suffers, dude. And if someone is just unwilling to like, listen, or just say, I don't get it, whatever. And, and whatever, then you shouldn't be sharing with that person. But my point is, my point is saying is being brave and having courage to be vulnerable as well. Yeah. I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's true. And it does take courage to be vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, as we, as we wrap up this week, I mean, honestly, you guys, I want to thank you because I feel like you and every, every person who ever watches and comments is so courageous, you know, um, but you guys are so vulnerable and open and transparent about your journeys. And it's, you know, it's hard sometimes to think that what we've been through can impact other people. But I really do believe that the things that we go through are like weapons in our tool belt. And as we go through life, you know, we pull out a weapon, a sword, and we fight. And we we fight our battles and we fight other people's battles with the Lord and with the wisdom that he's given us through the things that we've gone through. So, man, I just want to, you know, I love you guys and I just want to thank you and, and, you know, bless your week. And, and, um, why don't, you know, uh, I'll just quickly pray us out. Like God bless everyone who's watching and listening and being impacted by this session and by these talks that we've been having, Lord, there's so many people around the world who feel rejected and abandoned and talked about and overlooked and, and misunderstood Lord. And the, the lies of the enemy live in all of those feelings and emotions that come right from the pit of hell. So in Jesus name, I just reject all of that off of all of us and off of all of anybody listening and praying this prayer. And I invite the spirit of Christ into your life and into your home and into your week. May you be blessed to know that you are a daughter and a son of a most high king of a beautiful father who loves you and provides for you and promises to take care of you all the days of your life. And if you don't know Christ, then I would like to invite you to just quickly say a simple, small prayer, inviting him to be Lord of your life. And just, Lord, come into my heart, take over, sit on the throne of my life, be my savior, help me know you, Teach me all about Christ who died for my sins, who raised from the dead on the third day and is seated at your right hand. And Lord, let me walk with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. We love you guys and amen and amen. And may you have a blessed week. And until we see you on Girl Club next week, or for those of you who are watching um, a repeat of this episode, um, you can see us here on Cynthia Garrett Ministries' YouTube channel. You can check us out over on the Salem Media platforms, um, One Place and Light Source. And you can watch wherever you can watch and feel comfortable. Send us your comments. Send us your emails at um, hello at CynthiaGarrett.org. 
Um, if you want to talk to one of the girls directly and you want to send an email, I'll make sure that they get it. And I'd like to in the next uh, uh, in the upcoming weeks, as we kind of wrap this dialogue up next week on this particular topic, I want to address some of your emails and your comments and stuff. Um, we have been getting them. And um, some of you are being powerfully impacted and growing. So make sure you tune in because we're going to get to you and, and some of those things personally. I love y'all. Love you guys. Bye, guys. See you See soon. You. Happy Saturday. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.